of the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, aka We Don't Understand This Team Either. I am your host, Alex Darty, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Link. Today on the show, the Preds are still in a playoff spot. They've won seven of eight and nine of their last 11. They are clinging to the fourth spot in the Central Division by two points over Chicago, who they just beat a couple times. Uh, and more, there are more injuries to worry about. Um, Victor Arvidsson uh, left Saturday's game. Alex Carrier is now on the list. We will talk about the injuries quickly as well. And then uh, the main topic today is going to be about Ellie Tolvanen, the rookie phenom for the Nashville Predators. He's been excellent for the Preds, and there has been a late push to get him in the race for the Calder Trophy. We are going to talk about how feasible that is. Uh, Link, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm still a little light on sleep um, with the ongoing puppy saga. Uh, puppy saga. And she won't settle in my office anymore. Uh, she'll just bark her, her brains out and claw at everything. Oh um, so we're, we're currently recording live from the living room, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, which is perfectly fine. Um, I can, it makes it really easy for me to watch. Uh, soccer while we record, which exactly. is, I'm sure, very professional. No, it's, um, I mean that's that's fine. I mean, there's the, it's the it's, dream. It's it's the key the key part of the soccer. And we're coming down to the to the wire here for uh, the Premier League, so it's there's some big games on. I, that that is true. Yeah. Um, but no, otherwise good. And, and and yes, confused by the Predators. I think I'm I'm confused by them because. They're about as good as they're going to be this season, and that's that's good enough to compete for the um, coveted opportunity to get absolutely destroyed by Tampa. Yeah, um, that is that is what that slot is, and everyone's fighting to get in there for reasons that off, off actually escape me. Yeah, um, the the so yeah, the, the last week has been pretty pretty good for the Predators. It's not been something that's uh, uh, you know the. They didn't do exactly what they needed to do. They had two games against Dallas. They got one of those wins. They lost the other one. Uh, the the first game the last week was against Chicago. They blew a two nothing lead. Roman Yossi had a late goal to win it three two in regulation. And then Dallas against on Tuesday. Dallas <clears throat> the Dallas game on Tuesday was the overtime winner by Ellie Tolvanen, which was an excellent goal. That was a really great play. Then they have a bit of a correction game on Thursday against Dallas. They lose four to one. Uh, ironically, on four one on April first, and uh, they lose that game. That was I, I I saw that coming. I was just like they are gonna have a a, a down game. They've had too many injuries. Oh. They've been riding too high. Uh, I was pretty yeah. sure that was gonna happen. I mean, it's it's one thing to have a down game, and and to, I I talked about this a little bit on Twitter the next day, but I mean, if you just look at and you know I know this drives people crazy sometimes but if you look at the results from both these teams across the course of the season <clears throat> Dallas is consistently a better producer than um Nashville across the board like they they produce more goals they give up fewer opportunities against um you know they have some they've been inconsistent in some areas uh you know obviously with, I think with goaltending I think they haven't been quite where they maybe want to be um and early on, they really were shaking off cobwebs. I mean, they were they were trailing everyone. Um, but the fact that even when they're losing, they're still picking up points. Yeah. Like, they have, what, 10 or 11 overtime losses at this point in the <laughs> season? How many they have? Wow. I mean, they have a huge number. So, you know, when Nashville beats them in overtime, 
it's like great you you picked up a point but there it's still them closing the gap by one point yeah and this is dallas is the team in my opinion that really nashville's competing with for that fourth spot i i chicago has some nice pieces you know we're going to talk with this um when we get to the calder conversation Mm -hmm. but you know Suter has been really good um and then their goaltender whose name i i kevin lankinen cannot lankinen there we go yeah Yeah. um has you know he's cooled off but he's been he he started the season very hot if he returns to form i mean those two guys have really helped make chicago a threat along with a lot of ongoing talent you know patrick kane you can you can never count him out um but I really do think Dallas and Nashville are fighting for that fourth spot, and and I give the advantage to Dallas still, it, especially because you know Dallas has games in hand. They they are they, I, look the, Nashville currently has the fourth spot. Dallas uh, has first claim to it basically because they they if they if they win what three more games out of their five or six in hand, which they could easily do, especially if against Nashville, uh, that then they they've got it. So it, it's yeah. it really is Dallas's, even though technically Nashville's in that spot. Oh. You know, and I think I, I right now they both look like they're about even. I mean, if Dallas continues to be a 500 team, you know, Nashville could eke out by just having one, just being over 500. Mm-hmm. Um, even with those overtime, it, it, yeah, it's the overtime losses, those points are going to be huge. Yeah. Um, and Nashville only has two more games against Dallas the rest of the season. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and if any of those go to overtime, even if the Predators win, it's still <laughs> a point fewer. You know, it's a, it, it, that gap is a little bit more narrow every time. And then on uh, Saturday, Chicago, uh, against Chicago, they get a 3 nothing shutout. UC, excuse me. UC Soros was excellent in that game. Another power play goal by Ellie Tolvanen. Uh, UC Soros has been just, just so, so good over the last few weeks. Uh, he's he's Carried the team in goal for sure. Um, he's been he's been great. Let's do a quick injury update, and then I, w- I want to get to something that you wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, the the we already know about Ryan Ellis. Um, recently, it was there was kind of some thought that maybe he'd be out for the year, but now it seems like he's probably just going to miss like most of the rest of the regular season. So if the Predators make the playoffs, it seems likely he could return. Uh, Philip Forsberg has been downgraded from day to day to week to week, so that's not good. Uh, and then, uh, we, of course, Matthew Shane's still out. We had two new ones. Matt, um, let's start with Alex Carrier, who is now out three to five weeks uh, with, I think, was an upper body, I believe. Uh, and then Victor Arvidsson in the game on Saturday had a very unfortunate hit to the head. He was skating down, uh, and um, who was it? Uh, Kirby Doc just ran into him. It was not a dirty hit in any way. It was just an unfortunate situation. It looked really bad for Arvidsson. He was down on the ice for quite some time. Really not sure when he returns. Definitely concussion uh, possibility. Definitely neck possibilities. That's never good. Um, so, I mean, a week, two weeks? I have no idea. Yeah. Also, I, I you don't have on the list, uh, Mark Borvievsky went oh. to injury reserve. Okay. Okay, yeah. So that was announced yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he's been out for a while, but yeah. That, yeah, he's been I, out for a while, but that was, but he's now been yeah. been put onto injured reserve. So they have a very long, don't expect him back soon. They have a very long injured reserve list currently. So, um, yeah, the, the injuries are, are not good, and so that was part of why, like you know, I thought there would be a co- couple correction games. They still were managed, you know, obviously they managed to beat Chicago. That's that's never a, a with that, with the skill on that team, it's not as easy as it, it could be. But uh, the Predators are uh, are where they are. So um, we we have to talk about uh, a couple things today. But um, before we do that, you you brought up something to me 
last week, and then there was an article that came out recently um, about about teams and about revenue and about going to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, what was it that you saw, and, and what did you what yeah. did, what did you uh, what did you want to talk about with that? Yeah. So last week's show, I talked about um, the importance of playoff hockey, and you know, my assumption was that you get close to the playoffs, you know, people are getting the vaccine, the rollout's going very well across the country. You know, we're to the point where sometimes we're doing millions of doses a day. You know, do we get to the point where? Um, you can really let a lot more fans in. You can make it a big celebration. Uh, you can find some revenue, make up ground, close the gap. Like maybe you're not going to have a profitable season, mm-hmm. but you're going to be able to limit your losses. Uh, there was an article released towards the end of the week on ESPN Plus um, from Greg Wyshynski, who a lot of listeners are probably familiar with, former writer for Puck Daddy. Um, now he's sort of everywhere. Um where he talked to some GMs and the impression is that the further you get into the playoffs this season, the more money you're going to lose. So the team that wins the Stanley cup is, is liable to lose the most money of anyone because they're going to be operating everything at full steam. Right. Uh, So there is this, now this, this added risk that if the predators make the playoffs, that's just more in the hole for the team and if they load themselves up, you know, they, they could get themselves in the cap trouble, get themselves in the revenue trouble. You know, th- there's just so many risks riding on um, this team right now. Uh, but I did want to acknowledge that you know, the reality is very different than what I was thinking and speculating and talking about last week. So I wanted to call that out just so that listeners were updated um, mm-hmm. and they recognize that, that there are more than just personnel risks, more than just, just, just team operation risks. Uh, for something like Nashville going into the playoffs, if it really is going to be a money loss and a substantial one, yeah, um, it, it just puts a damper on things when you're scrapping for that spot. Good news is, if you prob- most likely lose to Tampa in that first round, that you know that 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 stops things. But if you knock out Tampa, maybe I mean you're going to go on a run and you might be losing a lot of money in the meantime. I don't know what the Stanley Cup is worth in a dollar amount. Probably fans would say it's worth anything. Yeah. Um but then you think about the next few seasons and you're going to be So that handshake, blue. the handshake line at the end of a series where they hand where they shake hands and say, you know, they move on. The uh the, the winning team or the the losing team is like, "Congratulations, you're going to lose more money now." Congratulations. Yeah, they're going to pass around instead of a handshake line, they're going to pass around a collections hat. <laughs> right, exactly. Also, given what's going on with the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, do you even have a handshake line without any people in close, uh, close proximity talking to each other? That's pretty that bad. That seems dangerous. Yeah, the, the Canucks situation is really bad. They, they've, they now have double-digit players in COVID protocol, and there's talk of, you know, are they going to continue the rest of their season? I don't know where they stand in the standings. Not that it matters, but... Uh, no, they're not terribly good, but uh, the NHL is someone just jam like, you know, doing all sorts of rescheduling. I mean, you know, the NHL doesn't want to uh, reschedule any of that, but it seems reckless. But the NHL has never really cared about the players' health, so you know, we'll see what they that, end up doing. That's true. Well, that's interesting. So, like the the, uh, I would not have thought that either, but it does make sense. The longer you operate in a pandemic, the more risk, uh, both yeah. both personal risk uh, and health health risk and financial risk. So, um, that is interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that either. So. Um, the the main story today, I wanted to talk about Ellie Tolvanen because uh, when you talk about this team, this particular National Predators team, he has to be at the top of the the list of, of good stories, right? 
Um, the he has been he's finally looked like what we thought he would look like. He's been excellent on the power play. He leads the team in power play goals with six. He's got ten goals, nine assists. Excuse me, in only thirty games. And uh, he's you know he's, he's one of the best offensive players the Predators have right now. Um, he actually has I, I looked at it. He has the best shooting percentage by a twenty one year old or by an eighteen to twenty one year old uh, in Preds history. Uh, he's shooting like twenty percent. Uh, which is crazy high. Um, yeah. Uh, it actually, what's interesting, if you if you adjust that to just five on five, uh-huh. it drops from like twenty one percent down to like um, like I actually wrote it 12. down. Let me let me see if I can find it. Like twelve or ten. It doesn't about ten ten point seven percent. Yeah. So he's basically just. I mean, power his play. puck luck on the power play is wild right now. Now his power play is. I I would say his his power play scoring has been legit. Like he has he has a shot that. That, I yeah, think, but you know, is is he gonna is he gonna shoot at such a degree where he can maintain twenty one percent across a season and across a no, career? No, 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 no. no I mean, no, it, it maybe is a bit of a wild card. So teams don't know, they don't have a lot of scouting on him. They don't know what to expect from him. So as they adjust to his presence in the power play, yeah, uh, that goes down because uh, they know how to counter him. But once they get Forsberg back, they have to adjust to that too. So he'll have he'll have oh yeah he will definitely not shoot twenty one percent his career, but he will probably shoot north of nope. fifteen. You know what? He's not likely to shoot twenty one percent, but he absolutely could. It's it it is statistically probably possible, if yeah. not probable, if it's not actually probable. That's true. So he's been, but he's been great, and he's uh, we we've seen um, a lot of really great skill out of him. And then there's been plenty of other discussion about how he's come, he's improved in, in terms of an overall player. He looks a lot better in, in on defense. He's passing better. He's playing with more speed and phys- physicality. Yeah. He's he looks yeah, like his, a, a his, player that belongs out there. His defensive, um, his defensive play is, is actually, you know, really good for a top six guy who's there to be a sniper. Um, you know, he's there to score goals. That's where his skill set is. But you know, he doesn't, he doesn't give away the puck a ton. Um, he doesn't. Uh, he, he, you know, he does. He, I mean, the number of hits, like his hits per sixty, compared to all the other kind mm-hmm. of Calder considered, considered considerated that is not a word considered the, the other considered. players who are for culture consideration yeah <laughs> compared to that like i mean it is not even comparable now i mean that says a couple things one you one thing i want to see from a really like an elite players i want to see them have like strong takeaways like they're t- getting the puck off other players they're making things happen um and then also a lot of elite players who have the puck a lot have a lot of giveaways because they have the puck a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little concerned, and this may be a Predators issue, not a Tolvanen issue, that outside of hits, his off-the-puck play is fine, but I think he could be doing more. So not to say he's not a defensive liability. That I don't want to um, insinuate. But I, I think he could maybe be a little bit more aggressive off the puck in terms of not just hits, but trying to actually pick up the puck and do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because typically the big thing against hits as a stat is that if you're hitting, you don't have the puck. And also hits don't really necessarily get you the puck. Um, because a lot of times it's the past, the puck is gone and you hit them right in that safety window before it's considered mm-hmm. interference. Sure. Uh, you know, so I think that is one thing that, that people like to highlight as a plus for him, but I think it's also, um, says how he's different and that he's not quite as, um, he's not looking to take the puck off of you. He's looking to finish the check. And I, that may be a cultural system thing for the Predators rather than a Tolvanen thing. Um, 
but as far as his career, what this says about his career, I think it's going to give him longevity. I think it gives him flexibility. Um, you know, I, I just think, I just see a lot of positives from him. I don't want to sit here and criticize him because I yeah. think he's, he's done some great things coming in. No, it, it's, it's been, it's been really great to see. Um, and for now, you know, the team has a lot more of an idea of where he fits in in the future. Right. I mean, just by playing him, I mean, they finally played him. He didn't play for the entire month of January, which is still goofy, but, um, he, he only, he's only played 30 games this year. <clears throat> and, uh, but but now they have a better sense of where he fits in in the future. And so what I mean by that is they can they can move forward and maybe be okay losing some some guys like you know when when Rocco Grimaldi comes up and they don't have to pay him again and and they can let him go because they've got they've got someone like Tolvanen. They don't have to rely on Rocco Grimaldi to be a top six scorer anymore, yes. or or even a I mean even someone like a Victor Arvidsson or even someone I mean any of any of these guys that are just kind of fillers right now obviously all the eric hollas and nick cousins and everything they know they don't have to piece together or go find in free agency uh a, a, a sniper to play on the top six because they've got a guy already that can do that well i mean and here's one thing that i, I want to i'll say about that david poyle didn't need to go out and acquire all those filler players because he had one of yeah. them on the roster yeah in Eli Tolvanen and still went out and got a bunch of guys in their thirties who have not really done all that much. Yeah. They've been fine. They yeah, haven't been is, horrible. Uh, I think it wasn't me, but someone asked uh, John Hines recently about, about uh, Tolvanen's sort of uh, development this season and, you know, not playing early on. And John Hines really stuck to his guns and basically said like, you know, they didn't think he was ready in January. They didn't think, they didn't think he was ready to to to, to take it on uh, in January, so that's why he went to Chicago or he went to the, the taxi squad or whatever. And then all of a sudden in February he's ready and is one of the you know one of the best rookie seasons. It just he's, it's he's, really he's, silly to me. He's a human being. He's not a he's not a like a loaf of bread. He doesn't have to like bake at certain temperatures for a certain amount of time before he's done. Like. Maybe maybe they're just down there, like stick a, stick a fork in him and see if the fork's clean when it comes out. You know, is there is there still some some dough or batter on that fork? Okay, put him back in the oven. Like, <laughs> now I mean, I think what we've seen is there there's something between in the pipeline between Nashville and the Admirals, and it, we we've always known like the 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 saying used to be the path to Nashville runs through Milwaukee. There's real belief that, that you have to pay your dues and you have to do certain things in Milwaukee to make it to Nashville. It's very uncommon. Yeah. It happens, but it's very uncommon for a prospect to go straight into Nashville. Yeah, very uncommon, yeah. Um, if it's not being forced. Uh, and I think a lot of times they'll leave players there for way too long. I mean, for development maturity, like there's probably benefit, but you know, I think they leave them there for way too long sometimes. A lot of the defensemen that we've been seeing this season, oh, yeah. Carrier and... Uh, others, they just were there for too long. I mean, not to say they didn't need time to grow, uh, absolutely. Um, but when you have a guy who steps in the ice for the first time, looks natural in the NHL, isn't stressed, is calm, is effective, isn't getting blown over, and you've got guys who are multi-year veterans who are liabilities on on the back end. You, you're asked. I, I wonder, like, what is the difference? That, that a month made for this player yeah. unless it was like an attitude issue. And I don't really see a, a whole team of players in Milwaukee having attitude issues when Milwaukee's being so successful. I just find the whole thing very frustrating. Yeah. 
Um, but it's always been the way the predators do things. And, and I, I don't wonder, know if that's a David Poyle thing. Like he said, no, this is how our system runs and you will run it this way. Uh, or if it's something else now, I'm just, this is a totally different rant. No, I know. I, and I wonder if other teams are doing this. I, I don't follow other teams as much as I follow Nashville, but um, like Tampa, for example, I mean, Tampa has had some incredibly successful uh, development of players. I mean, Braden Point. they've had all, almost all the defense has, has been developed in, in-house, all of their excellent offensive players. Uh, what did they do? I, I, I'd be curious to go back and see if, if they had guys stew in the minor leagues for a long time. I want to say they didn't. I want to say they played a lot. Uh, they also hit big with some some really young players, and, and that's that's a different kind of issue. Uh, and the then NHL is trending younger, so and then you've get, seen your, teams, get your young guys playing. Yeah, then you've seen teams like Buffalo <laughs> who have played their rookies, and they've just still still been terrible. So it's like um, – yeah. Well, it's just a badly run franchise altogether. So, um, but let's talk about his actual, Ellie Tolvanen's actual Calder Trophy possibilities, because this is where things get real. So the, the case four, obviously, would be, he's been uh, a, a very good rookie. He's been, uh, he's got 10 goals, nine assists in 30 games. He's uh, got some good points per game numbers going on. He leads, the, leads all rookies in power play goals. And there's a lot of per 60 numbers he's, he's, uh, he's leading in, in terms of, uh, in terms of rookies. Um but the against would be uh, quite a lot. Uh, the, the, the main thing is that the competition that he's up against is very, very tough. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov for the Minnesota Wild is very likely to win the Calder this year. He's got 14 goals and 17 assists. Yeah. He's been extremely consistent all year long. He's been arguably their best player <laughs> for Minnesota. And Minnesota is a very clearly a playoff team uh, because of that. Uh He's, it's, I mean, he's just been, he's had high late real goals. He's been an incredible playmaker for them. He's been very, very good. So I, I think Kaprizov is going to win it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, so this is also a year where um, there is some strong arguments for some goaltenders to swoop in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think you have, uh, and I, I'm going to butcher this last name, but the Carolina's goaltender, uh, Nedjedkovic, Nedjedkovic, Nedeshkovich? I actually don't know him. Um, he's been like, I mean, he's been really good, really consistent across the year. I mean, he's something like, yeah, I think he's the t- like the, near the top in terms of like um, uh, games above replacement stats. Looks like and... it's Nedelkovich. Nedel? Ne- oh, maybe ne- I Nedelkovich. I thought that was a J. I th- maybe I wrote down the wrong letter when I was doing oh, making okay. my notes. I just pulled up the pronunciation guide. Nadelkovich. Oh, Nadelkovich. Okay. I must. I think I probably made a, ter- a typo. What's, See, what do you call when you handwrite a typo? I, I did a lot of research on rookies beforehand. I didn't even look at this guy. So there's there's so much competition out there. Yeah. I mean, he's been really good. Um, you know, you have Lankinen who's fallen off. Um, you have um, is it? She's, she, Every goaltender is trying to confound me with their with their last names, and everyone who listens to this knows how I struggle with pronunciation, how I work on it, and I still screw up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is uh, the uh, New York's goaltender. Uh, so, uh, Sorokin? Is that, is that how it's pronounced? Sorokin? Are you talking about for the Islanders or for the Rangers? Rangers. Oh, gotcha. Uh, it's like sh- 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 Shesterkin, I think. Shesterkin, Shesterkin. I have tr- so much trouble with some of these. Um, I mean, he's been very good. He hasn't played as many games, and he's been been out a little bit. Um, 
So, I mean, but he's been very good. So, if he, you know, he he's back on. He's playing through the end of the season. You know, there, you know, he could get into the argument. You know, I, I really do think that this is going to be like, if you're talking about forwards, you know, um, Kaprasov is, is the guy to beat. Um, there's a few others who are in the conversation. Um, Jason Robertson in Dallas has been pretty decent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Though I don't think anywhere near the level of uh, Kaprasov. Um, Pius Suter? Pius Suter, yeah. Pius Suter is going to say he's been very yeah. good, but he's more like, I don't think he's like a Calder player, but he's going to be one of those really solid two way centers. Yeah. Top six, like, you know, maybe not first parent, first line center, but he's going to be real good um, consistently. For the first time. Just- uh, for the first time in a while, there's really very few defensemen that are there, but Ty Smith would be one. Ty Smith for the Devils, he's been very good. There, it feels like every year for the last few years, there's been just like a horde of of rookie or Calder Calder defensemen that have just been in the running. Obviously, Kale McCarr won last year. Uh, Aaron Ekblad a few years ago. Uh, Quinn Hughes was a runner-up. Shane Gostisbehere recently recently waived Shane Gostisbehere. Uh, uh, there's been it's all these defensemen that have been very, very good. But for some reason this year, there's really only a, really only one or two. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think if anything, I, I think it's either going to be one of those goaltenders that I talked about. It just depends on who you know where these goalies are at voting time, um, and and then uh, you know Kaprizov, just because some of these players, some of these goalies are really what's keeping their teams competitive. You know, one of the reasons everyone thought Chicago was going to struggle was because they didn't really have goaltending. They had an unproven rookie goaltender. And they had Malcolm Subban, who has a reputation for being, you know, more of a backup goalie, if anything. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, Lankin really changed the conversation there. And if he can return to form a little bit, he's going to be in the conversation, especially if Chicago is looking to make the playoffs, which is a possibility. Um, yeah. You know, I really think, and the same thing with the Rangers, you know, this was a team, I don't think we were but even... Even some guys that I don't even think are going to be finalists, and here's where here's where we get back to to Ellie Tolden and kind of really being out of it here. Even guys like um, so Josh Norris, uh, Niels Hoglander, uh, Oliver Wallstrom. These guys are all uh, all have pretty similar numbers to uh, to Ellie Tolden. Uh, Josh Norris has eight goals, eleven assists. Hoglander seven goals, nine assists. Although that's in, in more games. Oliver Wallstrom has been very good. So, the, like, even those guys are pretty similar numbers to to Ellie Tolvanen, and like, they're not even really going to come close. So that that really that really sets you up for for why this is this is a pipe dream. This is not going to happen for Ellie Tolvanen. He he he, he yeah. would have to put up a lot of really good numbers the rest of the year to even be a finalist, and then he he won't even win. It. He won't win it. Yeah, I you know what's interesting. I was, uh... As prep for this, I was looking at the history of Calder winners, and the interesting thing about Calder winners is that it's a li- it's mostly a list of like, okay, yeah, these are all guys who you would expect to be competing for the Calder. Like these are all really high end picks. These are all guys who were were taken, you know, in the first, yeah. you know, ten maybe twenty spots in their draft year. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, there's sort of an oddball, but that is really the exception to the Tyler rule or, or something. I do is like, pardon? <laughs> Tyler Myers would be an oddball to me. Yeah, Tyler Myers. <laughs> I mean, you know, or Temi Panarin, who came in as a 24-year-old. Right, yeah. And yeah. just rocked the league. You know, oh, that was dear, dear. kind of a surprise. But, you know, most of the other names you see on here, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, 
Can you believe that Barrett Jackman won the Calder? I, I I remember looking at that actually uh, a while back when when in Forsberg's rookie year because I was I was looking doing some research then and I was like and th- and that was the time Barrett Jackman was on the Predators and I totally did not re- realize that Barrett Jackman won the Calder and then was playing for the Predators that year. It is it is a very interesting list to look at because if you look at the last ten years, the last ten years of Calder winners is like okay those those players are all like lock all-stars like almost every year it's like kale McCarr, yeah. Pedersen, barzal austin matthews panarin aaron ekblad nate mckinnon uh, it, that list and then the previous 10 years it's like it's pretty it's pretty rough i mean it's like obviously alex ovechkin and evgeny malkin but steve mason tyler myers jeff skinner andrew raycroft like these are i mean jeff skinner was very good in the year for a while before he went to buffalo he, he, he kind of went left carolina and fell he fell off a cliff but like it's it's a little um it got weird there for a while and then like even <laughs> in the 90s it's like you've got brian berard uh yeah defenseman defenseman winning like if you look at the defenseman who have won the calder like it, it the standards for defensemen have shifted substantially in yeah, the past 10 years that's very true the way we evaluate defensemen that's very true um and you can tell just looking at the calder stuff but like a defenseman getting 48 points mm-hmm. you know was a big deal that yeah. was the big thing i mean i don't know how a, a guy gets 19 points as a defenseman like Barrett Jackman, I mean, I I, I like Barrett Jackman, um, <laughs> but like how he wins the Calder—that's very strange. Uh, he, had, he had a decent career, I guess. I mean, if you win the Calder, or if you're if you're even in a in the as a finalist in in the Calder, I mean, there's a lot of really good finalists okay, you, too. Hey, hey, let me let me throw some at you, okay? okay? Let me. This is Calder Trophy, 2003 voting. Okay. Without looking it up, please, if you have it open, or no, you probably don't have this open. I, I do have it open, but I'm going to close it. Okay. Close it. Yeah, don't look at the voting. Okay. Bear Jackman wins the caller. All right. Can't, who, who, any idea who anyone in the top next 10 would be? It, in 2003? 2003. I mean, you could look up players who are rookies in 2003 if you want. Um, but, like, I'm looking at this list. If you can, and, if if there are people you don't know, I'm probably not going to know them either. Oh no no no! There's, I mean, I will say the guys who came in second and third in voting. When you hear who they are, you will be like, "Bear Jackman won the Calder." When you hear who the other two guys are, do you want me to just tell you? Uh, yeah, just go. Okay, here's second place in, or let's let's do this. Let's let's actually hit some of the big names in here. <laughs> Ninth place in voting at 19 years old, Alish Hemsky. You know, okay. okay. Um. Also 19, Jay Bomeister, fantastic defenseman, yeah. elite defenseman. For a long time, yeah. Yeah. Um, third place in voting, Rick Nash. No. Excellent, excellent power forward. Yeah. Second place in voting, 18 first place votes, 33 second place votes, 22 goals, 22 assists, 44 points, most points among uh, rookies who who really received a, uh, you know really received a decent amount of votes who received any votes for Calder, Heinrich Zetterberg. Oh, Heinrich wow. Zetterberg lost the Calder to Barrett Jackman. Wow, that's pretty that's pretty crazy. Isn't that wild? That, that is, is absolutely wild. So you know weird things happen, but not mm-hmm. weird enough in my opinion to get El- Ellie Tolvin in a, a Calder the, trophy. The other thing that he'll happened... get some votes, but he'll have like some, some low end, low end votes. I, I think he may like, he'll be on the hockey reference page, but I don't think he's going to be anywhere near the stage. Yeah. The, the other thing that happens, um, 
because remember, this is voted on by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. So it, it is very much a, you know, are you in the limelight or not? So a lot of that happens uh, with with the Calder Trophy is if, if they're if they're being talked about, if they're being written about. And for, for Tolvanen, like he just isn't even mentioned. I mean, like even if you go look at if you just go Google um, Calder Trophy race and look at any article that comes up uh, for 2021, obviously, uh, look at any article that comes up from from this season, going back to January or even recently. Tolvanen's name is not even like one of the tagged names in the article. Like it's not even I will say in he's, there. Um, he hasn't mentioned in one or two articles on the Athletic, not from a Predators beat writer. Uh-huh. But I mean, it, it's more in like, oh, this person has been entered, has entered the conversation. Right, but, right, right. You know, you when you look at the actual metrics, he just kind of he fades away a little bit. Right, he he really does. And so so if. It, Hockey writers are not going to go just like diving through stats to try to find, you know, who could, who could, who's actually the best at, at you know, X or Y. Uh, it's very much a, a conversation uh, voting. It, it happens, it happens first on the who do you think should be in it, and then they go back and 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 finalize. Okay, based on this, uh, these stats here, you know, goals, points, save percentage, whatever, it's going to be this guy. So I, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to even get become a finalist. If he if he does become a finalist. It'll be pretty impressive. He will have to have had a, a very solid yeah. final twenty games or so. He would need to go on a tear. I mean, but here's here here's kind of the final takeaway: is the, the Calder Trophy. It's it's an individual player trophy. I don't know if there's uh, certainly in NHL. I mean, you you love to celebrate the individual trophies, but you forget about them. I mean, people forget very quickly about the Calder uh-huh. about. You know, yeah. other things like it's stuff you seize on. You don't have a lot else to talk about. Exactly. In some cases, um, it's it's really about acknowledging the performance for the season. So in, in that in that we, way, I was, I'm sorry. I was just going to say it, it, what you're talking about is actually why I like the Calder a lot. Because. All right. So if you just go look at like the Art Ross trophy or the Rocket Richard, just most goals. I just like I, I know what it's going to look like. I know it's just going to be like Alex Ovechkin every year or Sidney Crosby every it's, it's like it's or Connor McDavid. It's just going to be those three players in some order. And same thing with the Hart Trophy. It's just like it's going to be those three players every year for the like, you know, for a period of time. You go back in the 90s, you know, it's going to be like Yarmir Yager. And if you go in the 80s, it's going to be Wayne Gretzky. It's just like it's very predictable. I love the Calder because when you go back, it has all these just little miniature stories. Every mm-hmm. every season is like this little story about how it got there. Like the you mentioned the Panarin one. That whole story was if Connor McDavid doesn't get his shoulder broken in two, uh, he wins it going away, and then Artem Panarin swoops in and gets it. Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone was controversial. He's like, "Oh, he's twenty-four. I'm like, "Yeah, but he's a rookie." Exactly. Yeah. My favorite is still, um, and this is maybe a little bit basic, but I still love the Crosby Ovechkin rookie years because here you have yeah. the next great Canadian great player rate. who breaks a hundred points. And loses to a Russian player who scores 50 goals in his rookie season in the NHL and picks up another 50 assists. Like, I think, I think Ovechkin had like one or two, somewhere between one and three more points than Crosby. It was like 103 to 106 points or something. It was wild. Like, and you talk about the fact that one of those guys has to win the call and the other one has to lose when it's. Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin, the two most like two of the most iconic hockey players in the the two thousands. I mean, yeah, that I mean that whole season was just 
incredible. I mean, that was a lot. Talk of about a way to get people excited about hockey. Yeah, that, exactly. Those that guys was, out there. That was like a really really fun season. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I just think that, I think this Calder Trophy is so much fun to watch. I I usually pay attention to that more than any other trophy. Maybe the Norris. I I, I do enjoy watching the Norris. The Norris one. is just is chaos incarnate. Like you know you don't know who's going to get voted what what year. Do they care more about like defense or hits this time or who's <laughs> looking at block shots? Like someone's like oh this guy blocked no shots. I'm like yeah but that's because his team gets shelled every night. And like, then Vezina Vezina just feels like a like a, a lifetime achievement award every time. It's like oh well it's uh, Carey Price's turn or it's uh, it's um, the it's Pecorine's turn or it's who who are, it just feels like a next man up like oh who wants to who wants it this year because uh, if you, you have like when basically it's good something numbers. you can actually look at statistically you like how does that happen yeah because you can just look at who's the best goaltender yeah right <laughs> just say oh they have the best numbers across in the most games give yeah. it to them so flawed but anyways I, I love the Calder Trophy uh, I, Ellie Tolvanen obviously won't win it. Doesn't mean he won't be a force for the Predators for the future. I did have one bit of trivia for you. Uh, it just you might have already, you might be able to guess this very easily since you've already been looking at it. But uh, you know, the last time a Finnish, someone from Finland, player won the Calder. No, I really don't. Unless unless a player I'm thinking of isn't actually is actually Finnish. No, I really don't know. It's I mean, he's arguably the most famous Finnish player of all time. So, 1993, Tamu Kalani. Oh, Tamu! Wow, really? That was the last time a Finnish player won. Last time, yeah. And wow. it's uh, last time a Russian player, just because Kaprizov is Russian, uh, was Panarin, obviously in 2016, and then yeah. and then Ovechkin in 2006. So, Which is uh, wild with the number of hyper talented european or you know yeah. russian players yeah seen. plenty plenty of swedish players have won it obviously but uh yeah it's uh it because uh, i was wondering about like european players and how often they're in the conversation it seems pretty regular mostly sweden russia um but yeah finnish players don't don't uh don't get in the running that, that often yeah well i mean finland's been kind of like third fiddle for a while like there's been countries that have had spikes like you know czech republic has had spikes at times mm-hmm. and yeah, other things, but you know, Finland's having like a, a hockey moment the past few years. Like they are producing so many high quality players right now. Yeah, um, and they're also a lot of times they're team players in many cases, not right. always. Um, but like guys who are team first, uh, which is which is great for filling out a roster when you're competing in international things. So yeah, and it's Predators fun. they love their they love their Finnish players, so they will they will dip into that pool as often as possible and benefit from it. So. Um, okay, so bottom line, Ellie Tolvanen's not winning the Calder. I'm sorry, Predators fans, but it's not going to happen. Uh, he will maybe finish as a finalist in like third place behind a couple of really good players. Uh, let's go ahead and close it out. So uh, looking ahead, the Predators have three games this week. Um, they go to Detroit. They play Detroit Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 p.m. starts. Um, the big games there. I mean, if they, they can come out with... Uh, Four points out of those two games, they should be able to do that. That's going to really help their standings for the for the playoffs. And then Saturday they play Tampa at home, another big test. Obviously, Tampa's going to win in the playoffs. Oh, T- Tampa, Dallas, da- Tampa, Dallas, Tampa, followed by double Carolina. It's like uh, that's a pretty big breath, uh, pretty big stretch. Yeah, I mean they they have like they get that's why you have the two Detroit games going in. Get relaxed, get loose, you know win some get some points and then go through the gauntlet and they have and and don't don't, let us not forget the trade deadline is next monday so not not tomorrow but 
it is the, the 12th, yeah the twelfth. Yeah. So. Uh. So yeah. I mean, they get they get these three games, and then the trade lines right there. So. Uh, we didn't really talk about this. We didn't plan to talk about this, but I, I, my, my gut feeling is that like they'll probably sell one piece, but they probably won't do much else. I mean, it, I, I doesn't sound like Ekholm's going anywhere. It doesn't sound like any of the big pieces are going anywhere. It just seems like yeah. they're they're probably gonna you know, ship off someone like a Cousins or a Granlund or a Halla, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, well, I think Granlund. If if you if you if you're trying to really legitimately make the playoffs and do a run. I think you need to hold on to Granlin, but yeah, I mean, yeah. if you can clear out some of the pieces, like the Howlers and... Especially when Duchesne comes back, well, and fourth, yeah. probably, but when Duchesne comes back, it leaves a spot in your top six. I think that Eric Halla would not make, an, not make a lot of sense in the bottom six. Neither would Cousins, really, so like one of those two probably going is probably likely to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, there's not to, it, they may, teams may just not be interested in acquiring them just because they're not that interesting. I mean, yeah. you know... Could you see if you could maybe get some like future resource for like a Luke Cunning? I mean, I know that's kind of a wild idea, but mm-hmm. like ten points in twenty-two games from from Luke Cunning, it's not like you're, you're he's he's laying things up. But some team who needs a little bit more depth scoring might really find some interest in him. Yeah. I, I, it's it's so hard to judge. I mean, the Predators are in a strange spot, and uh, yeah. if they continue in their ways and they make the playoffs, it's sort of like okay, great, whatever. Right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. You can check out all of our hockey coverage at azsportsnational.com. Follow me on Twitter at alexdarty1. Follow Link on Twitter at 3dlink. Uh, any any final thoughts? How's Tottenham doing? They are they are winning two one right now. Ooh, there you go. They are winning two one, um, and it's exciting. Uh, I, I'm scheduled to get vaccinated on Thursday Yay. this coming week, so I'll get my first shot. Um, uh, and marching towards a world where who knows who knows maybe someday we'll record in person again if that will ever happen find out maybe find out so. next time on the podcast that'll be exciting all right we'll see everyone next week